Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy, who is the on-air host of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. And Chris, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing good, John. It was good. It was good following you on social media and seeing you hang out with your entire family. Uh, every great uncle and cousin and third cousin looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the neighbor's gene is strong. When you have five nephews and four of them come from <laughs> one family, then yeah, it's uh, there's just a lot of testosterone being driven around there. So yeah, it was good, man. It was good, and I <laughs> I appreciate that. And you know, that's kind of what leads it into you know it being officially football season. You know, we talked about these comments. I know we'll get to NFL college and all that, but. The comments made from Sean Payton to Aaron Rodgers to, or to Nathaniel Hackett and then Robert Sala, and then you got uh, Sean Payton apologizing. You got Aaron Rodgers coming out hot, and, there, and we just played his clip there in the intro. What do you make of this back and forth? Is it a little bit overblown, or is this something that uh, is really exciting and entertaining and fuels to a great fire that could lead to a great matchup later this football season? In the year of our Lord, 2023, I, I really hope we start to tread back towards being able to uh, speak the truth. I feel like we walk on eggshells so often with social media and everything, and you know we're afraid to say things. Too, too often times people go, oh, you can't say that. And my, my response is always, why? If something's a fact, I should be able to say it. Sean Payton said Nathaniel Hackett sucked as a head coach, and yet all of a sudden we're like, oh, you can't say that. That's terrible. No, the plain and simple, Nathaniel Hackett sucked as the Broncos head coach last year. He ruined Russell Wilson. Like, it was just god-awful. And yet when Sean Payton says that in front of a podium or to a reporter, somebody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying that. And then he's got to come back and apologize. Aaron Rodgers is jumping in front of bullets for, for Nate Hackett. Like, it's just so ridiculous and over the top. Like, we could all acknowledge the Broncos were terrible last year. Look, we had to put up with it. They put the damn Broncos on primetime football like eight games last year. I had to watch Sunday Night Football and Thursday Night Football and Monday Night Football of the freaking Broncos being god-awful, and Nathaniel Hackett was a big reason why. So I, I'm fine with Sean Payton's comments. I think it's stupid he had to apologize. We, we ought to be able to speak our minds a little bit more often and, and not have to go, oh, well, I, I really meant he's a great guy. No, he stunk as a head coach. That's why he's an offensive coordinator again. Another big storyline in the NFL going into training camps, the state of running backs and them being devalued. What do you th think of uh, what's going on with the running backs in the NFL? Yeah, it sucks for a lot of those guys out there. I mean, we, we, we've talked about it before. Like, you know, is there a running back? Should, should, first, should running backs even be taken in the first round is, is the first question. And, you know, we've had some guys that have worked out. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, overall was really good for the Cowboys. Now, given him that big back extension, Seems like a mistake in hindsight. Christian McCaffrey was good, but, you know, the, the Panthers moved on from him. They traded him this past year. Uh, Saquon Barkley was seeing, you know, the tip with the Giants on, hey, we like you, but we're not in love with you. Uh, and, and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that the Atlanta Falcons are going to run into this three years from now with B. John Robinson. Because I think B. John's going to be really good for them as a rookie this year. And so... It really is a sign of the times when the Colts are basically telling Jonathan Taylor, like, I like you, but you're replaceable. Um, every running back in this league, I think, is replaceable. Um, you know, Derrick Henry may be the one exception. Everywhere else, you know, it's running back by committee. Just about every team, they have a starter that they like, 
but they have a number two or a number three that they think can do the job just as well. And so it, it, it stinks for, for any high school kids out there that play running back that have dreams of making it to the NFL. Maybe uh, maybe change the position. Maybe try playing tight end or quarterback or something like that because right now it's the quarterbacks that are getting paid unlike anybody else. Corners and receivers are getting paid well, but running backs are becoming way devalued in the NFL right now. It's a passing league. We knew you know, they were changing all the defensive penalties and all that to, to, be, to become even more of a passing league, but my gosh, yeah, the running backs are, are getting gypped, man, and uh, it feels like some teams are looking at it. Like, I'm mean, here in Houston, they have Damian Pierce, uh, the rookie from Florida last year had a great rookie season, but they're already looking at him saying, yeah, we'll get a couple more years out of you and then we'll be on to the next one. Like, I don't know um, if we're ever going to get back to the running backs getting those big, fat, five-year, six-year extensions with big money. Um, you know, if anything, maybe you, maybe you talk a team into trying to do it after your rookie year because it seems like a lot of them are going to look at it and say, yeah, we'll, we'll milk this four or five years out of you as a rookie and we'll move on. Well, and it's crazy because of just knowing how many great players have played at the running back position and have been such different makers, Hall of Famers, big-time money makers, everything to go along with it. And then here we are. Has it just been because of the style of football? Has it been because of the uh, way that the, the running back positions play that has led to more injuries and there's just not ones that separate themselves enough from others? Like, How did we get to this point where just five, ten years ago, running backs were just as important as – almost any other position to now people don't even want to pay them and just can move on from pro bowlers in the prime of their career. Well, I'll put it this way, guys. You know, we, we could all sit around here. If I asked you to pull up the last five Super Bowl champions, can you name the starting running backs for each of those teams? <laughs> uh, when you, when you go back and look, I believe for, for the Chiefs this year was Isaiah Pacheco, who was what? A seventh round pick. Uh, turned out to be pretty good, but, Still, he was where, where he was. Uh, the Rams the year prior, Cam Akers was their running back for the Bucks the year prior was Leonard Fournette. Uh, the Chiefs in 2019, I think, was Damian Pierce. And in 2018, the Patriots, it was Tony Michel. I mean, half those guys are either out of the league or on different teams playing for minimal money right now. I mean, Leonard Fournette basically had to beg the Bucks to take him back on a one-year deal. Like, it's just when you look at that, the, the stud first-round pick overpaid running backs are not on teams that are winning Super Bowls. It, 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 that that is a thing of the past, and um, again, I don't know if we're ever going to trend back towards those stud running backs being the focal point of the teams or the offenses. But it seems like when Derrick Henry hits his last leg with the with the Titans, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Saquon and the Giants. I don't know if we'll ever get back to the featured running back who gets twenty five to thirty carries a game and is your workhorse. I think uh, teams are looking at it saying, "No, we got to appropriate that money back to the quarterback." Speaking of Super Bowl, team that played in the Super Bowl, the Eagles, they lost both their coordinators who became head coaches, Jonathan Gannon with the Cards and Shane Steichen with the Colts. Which one of those coordinators is in a better situation for this season? You know, if you believe the hype of what you're hearing from the Colts, like, you know, we'll see, we'll figure out what happens with Jonathan Taylor here. I know uh, their backup running back, Zach Moss, broke his arm today, and he's going to miss a bunch of weeks, but – there's been a lot of hype coming out of camp on Anthony Richardson. And, you know, I even had my, my co-host today presented the question, you know, we're high on C.J. Stroud here in Houston, but what if he was the wrong pick? What if Anthony Richardson should have been the number two pick and not C.J. Stroud? It's just going to be one of those things fascinating to look at, look back at down the road because, you know, my big question on Richardson was accuracy. You know, how do you take a guy number two overall who, you know, didn't even have a 60% completion percentage in college, but – 
they love his athleticism. He's a freak. He's put on some weight. I think they said he's up to like uh, was it 240 or something like that now. And they said his arms look good. And you know, my question for Anthony Richardson is still going to be on that third and eleven. Can you make the throw for the first down uh, and keep moving the chains? We're going to find that out. But if Anthony Richardson continues to progress, I think uh, I think the Colts are going to have a great chance to, at success. And uh, you know, it's a crappy division they're in with the Texans, the Titans, and the Jaguars. Uh, you know, we'll see if Trevor Lawrence continues to take steps towards greatness. But, uh, yeah, it's, I've, I was down on Anthony Richardson throughout the draft process, but I've heard nothing but positive things coming out of training camp on him. And, you know, what if he's a star? I, I kind of had the same thing with, with Josh Allen. I questioned Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming, and here we are a couple of years later, and he's a superstar in the league. So we'll see if that happens for Richardson. Speaking with Chris Gordy here on the phone lines, thanks to, of course, uh, everybody listening. Of course, you appreciate him coming on and talking a little football with us, too. Sports Talk 790. Uh, Chris, also looking at uh, the baseball side of things, too, because I know, obviously, with Astros and MLB, it's been fun with the trade deadlines and some of the moves have been made. Certainly looks like the Rangers are trying to go all in and trying to make some things happen. But uh, just what would you make of the trade deadline and or at least the – moves that have been made and anything that really stood out to you as far as a huge impact that could make a difference on a team entering into the final stretch of the season? Well, I know we're not done yet. We, we got until 5 p.m. tomorrow for, for everything to commence. Uh, I know the Astros are still working on possibly trying to get Justin Verlander back from the Mets. Uh, I think there's some some holdups on his, on his uh, contract. He's due you know, 40 plus million next year. And then he has a vested option. If he pitches 104 innings, 40 innings next year, uh, his third year guarantees at 35 million. And then you're talking about a guy who would be 42 years old at that time. Um, you know, do, do you want to be on the hook for that kind of money? And so they're going back and forth. We'll see if a reunion is in the cards, but uh, man, the, the thing that changed this year at the MLB trade deadline is you have a lot more teams still in the mix. Like the Cubs are only a couple games out of the, the NL central. Like, they still think they're in the mix. They're not. They're not pulling the trigger and, and selling. They're still. You know, there's too many teams out here that think they're still contenders, and so there's more buyers than sellers right now, and that's driving up the asking price. And the Rangers had a lot of uh, had a lot of assets, and they go and get Jordan Montgomery, and they go and get Max Scherzer. But uh, we'll see what happens. Again, like uh, to me, I still feel like postseason success matters, and the Astros have been there a lot in the postseason. The Rangers haven't. If they find themselves in a series against one another, even though the Rangers have all this great talent, I still might lean Astros because they have so many guys who have been there, done that. So we're going to see if they add some pieces, but it's been fun. I mean, again, more teams, more playoff teams this year is going to make it more fun and uh, you know, more baseball action for us to bet on. Rangers and Astros are neck and neck pretty much in that division, but the team right behind them, L.A. Angels, they decided to hold on to Shohei Otani where there was a lot of trade talk around him, but – they wanted to hold on to them and possibly make a playoff run on their own. So what do you think about the Angels and sticking with Otani and really taking a chance of him possibly leaving next season? Yeah, they're stupid. I mean, you, you're you're a team that's never been good enough. Their pitching's never been good enough as a whole. This is, this is a franchise that's had two of the best players in baseball last year. I mean, I don't even know if it's arguable to say Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are by far the two best players in baseball. One of them pitches and, and hits and is incredible, and yet they can't even sniff the playoffs. I think that just says more about their management, how they've constructed the roster. I think they should have sold. I think they should have traded Otani for as many prospects as they could get. He's going to hit free agency this coming offseason. I just I look at it and say, y'all are dumb for trying to think you could sustain 
I don't think they will, and I think uh, they're going to be looking back going, man, we should trade that guy when we had a chance to at least get something in return. Uh, you're right. Rangers and Astros are going to be competing for this division. The other one will win a wild card spot, and the Angels will be sitting there, again, missing the playoffs with two of the best players in baseball. No, I've always found it fascinating with the Angels, and you mentioned the two best players in baseball that they've had. It, I just want your opinion on it. Why – why have the Angels had these guys? Like, what? what is it? Is it they just great at maybe scouting some dudes, or is it just timing of the draft? Like, how how have they been able to hold on and have these guys and not have any success to show for it at all? I just don't know of any other sport that you could say that to where, especially in professional, where you've had not only the greatest player of a generation, but possibly the next player of the great generation, both playing on the same team and have zero success, comparatively speaking. Well, it's the old, uh, the old adage, uh, John, it's a team sport. Hmm. You know, it's not like like in the NBA. You start five guys. If you got two superstars, you're you're making the playoffs and you're making a run. In baseball, you can have two superstars and not make the postseason. You, you, you need a whole roster. And to me, it's been the pitching. Like outside of Otani, Reed Detmers, Tyler Anderson, Patrick Sandoval, Griffin Canning, they're all guys with ERAs over four. They all suck. So you got to have you got to have some studs in there. You got to have some some Churzers and some Verlanders and guys like that, and the Angels just haven't had them. So, you know, enjoy watching Shohei rake and pitch well and watching Mike Trout hit home runs and all that, but at the end of the day, you got to have some other dogs, and they don't have any dogs. The team that has the best record in the AL, Baltimore Orioles, you think that's sustainable for the Orioles? Now the, the Rays are right there, right there, a uh, game and a half back, and they began the season with the best record in baseball, but the Orioles have hit their stride, and they're leading the AL East, which is probably the toughest division in baseball. Yeah, I, I think the the Orioles are legit, man. Their uh, front office, uh, their GM is actually the guy who came from the the Houston Astros and was part of their rebuilding. They've done it the right way. They've hit on draft picks. You know, Adley Rushman, we know, was was that that number one pick a couple years ago, and they got some other guys coming up that are making their way through the minor league system. I think this thing is sustainable. The Orioles have arrived, and I think they've sent a big message to Tampa and Toronto and the Red Sox and the Yankees that we're here to stay. So it's fun to watch. We'll see how far they can go. And You know, they were beating the start of the Yankees last night on Sunday Night Baseball. So um, Orioles are fun, man. I don't know if anybody can name a, a ton of guys on their roster, but you might want to, you know, if you're looking to hop on a bandwagon, it might be this team right now because Orioles are fun to watch. So, Chris, I want to shift gears and uh, talk about college football with you, too. Something we were discussing earlier is just about uh, Heisman trophies and knowing that there's only been one player to ever win back-to-back. And this year, of course, uh, Caleb Williams winning it last year is back with USC. Just say, for instance, he ended up winning the Heisman trophy this year and ended up being back-to-back Heisman winner, the only, only the second player to ever do so. Would that rank him among the best, greatest football player, at least the quarterback of this generation, or at least in the modern era of college football, just by having that type of award that nobody else has been able to do twice? It's it's a good argument, but I think we also have to look at the Lincoln-Riley effect. I mean, the fact that Kyler Murray and you know, all the different quarterbacks he had there, Baker Mayfield, all had that one great year. Uh, you know, even Jalen Hurts had a decent year there. I, like, he, he's going to put up numbers because of the system that Lincoln runs, but I just find it hard to believe. Like he he won the Heisman last year because he put up some ridiculous numbers. He's going to have to outpace that this year because that that's the toughest part with Heisman voters being human like they are. They they're going to skew towards okay. Last year was great and we rewarded you for it, but can you do even better this year? And so that's where I say like record wise, 
I think they got to they got to win the Pac-12. Um, you know, they won 11 and three last year. I think you got to get to at least 12 wins. And the 4,500 yards and 42 touchdowns, I would say almost like Caleb's got to throw for 5,050 touchdowns. You got to one up what you did a year ago. Um, I think because everybody's going to be holding that pressure over you. If you just repeat what you did a year ago, I think they're going to find reasons to, to, to vote. You know, somebody else ahead of them. Drake May at North Carolina is an interesting one. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Klubnik at Clemson. And, of course, in the SEC, my, my Heisman pick is Carson Beck at, at Georgia. I just think he's going to put up ridiculous numbers with their soft schedule and all the talent he's got around him. So, I, look, he, he's among one of the betting favorites, you know, to repeat his Heisman. But I, at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to give it to him again because we just, we're, we're going to judge him harsher this year after winning it last year. What type of season do you expect for USC in the Pac-12? Because a lot of times that goes hand-in-hand where team has a great season, they have a great player, and then that player goes on to win the Heisman. Yeah, I think they're going to win their first handful of games. They go to Notre Dame in mid-October. They should be 6-0 going into that one. Uh, But then they get Utah. They do get Utah at home. So, you know, Utah should be a pretty good one. Washington's going to be really good with Michael Penix. Again, they get that one at home. Uh, really set November 11th game at Oregon, you know, with Bo Nix and all the weapons they bring back. If they can win uh, a couple of those tough ones that, you know, maybe just one loss, I think USC will be in position to win the Pac-12 and, and get into the playoff. A lot of people are picking them to, to get into the playoff this year. So we'll see. But all I, all I've heard all offseason, the narrative that how talented all the Pac-12 quarterbacks are, and you know, it's a ridiculous arms race there. So we're going to find out real quick. But I do like how USC schedule sets up, but you know, I would say anything less than ten wins is, is a disappointment. So does Arizona make the bolt to the Big Twelve? It seems to be the discussion right now as far as the conference expansion goes. Yeah, I hate this. I mean, <laughs> everything like it's got to make. I've always said conference expansion's got to make sense ge- geographically, and now nothing makes sense geographically. We're sending out USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. And, you know, Florida State's talking about jumping ship from the ACC, Arizona jumping ship from the Pac-12. It's just, it's a mess. And the Pac-12, I mean, their commissioner is an idiot. Like, he drug his feet on the TV deal, and look at where they are now. That that whole conference is crumbling. So, yeah, we're probably going to see more movement here this week. And I just hate it because it, we're, we're moving closer towards these super conferences. And, unfortunately, you know, for the SEC in a couple of years, we could be talking about everybody just playing everybody from the SEC and, We'll crown our own champion, and, and, you know, everybody else will have to play for the scrap. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, you hate it, but it's great for content, but it's also getting to the point where, like, all right, let's just everybody get get to where they're going and figure it out so we can move on and get ready for the season. It seems like it's in a limbo right now. But, uh, it, hey, listen, we got fall camp starting up, and the season will be here before we know it. It's going to be exciting. And, as always, Chris, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Enjoy the rest of the week, my man, and try to stay cool out there. We'll catch up with you later down the road. Yeah, 100 degrees every day, and you're here in Houston. I'll uh, I'll be uh, dying out here.